Last time and I we'll trashed Michigan big, Jeremy I pie on my face after. boast about how smart he is. I, I had pie in my face after Western Michigan, and I hope somebody throws it at me against Iowa. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, that'll do it for extra points. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back tomorrow with a DSR, Thursday DSR, and Friday, three hours of sports talk before we head to Iowa City and Kinnick Stadium. But for everyone in the studio, I'm Rushi saying good night and go blue. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The sports department would like to thank you for your continued support of University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss knocks over Tambellini, winds up and he scores! Just Tambellini lets a laser go from the near side circle and the Wolverines take a 1-0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Tambellini. Repeat myself when under stress. Hi, this is Adrian Blue. Keep listening to WCBN FM right here in Ann Arbor. You know Adrian. Sleep, eat, drink, dream. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And yes, it was kind of a bad week for Michigan in the world of sports, but oh well, it's only a game. Yeah, one season uh, wrapping up and uh, other seasons beginning. And, of course, the Olympics are only a game, so uh, let's give out a brain damage award to the uh, far right, uh, openly cheering the rejection of Chicago uh, in the IOC voting, whatever. Uh, my opinion of this was it was South America's turn. Well, absolutely. Uh, it's never happened. North America has had more than its share of Olympic yeah. Games, if you, especially when you factor in the number of winter games that have been hosted, uh, but summer games too. So, And Asia, Asia's had a number of games recently. Right. And, so it's and definitely South America's turn. But why you'd want to cheer, I mean, to me it's a little uh, it's astonishing ridiculous. how much money cities pay just in the sort of campaign to yeah. convince the Olympic Committee uh, by the way, the Olympic Committee is probably, in all likelihood, uh, very happy that they're going to Rio instead of Chicago, which is a fabulous city, uh, but it's not Rio. Um, but to openly sort of cheer, uh, because, you know, this would have been good for Chicago, let's face it. There yeah. are a number of economic advantages to it, although the development money doesn't always find its way into uh, practical 
structures that the community itself can utilize later, not always anyway. Yeah, because like some cities have actually lost massive quantities of money hosting the games. Um, it's it to me, it's just odd because we've heard this argument from the far right over the many many years that the left wing hates America. Right, that we blame America first. And what's starting to emerge, you know, and this ironically came on the heels of the announcement that uh, the title of Sarah Palin's. Upcoming memoirs are Going Rogue, which is so bizarre because that's exactly the theme of the Republican Party or the far-right elements of the Republican Party recently. And using the phrase Going Rogue, which is bizarre to say the least. Wildly inaccurate to since say another thing. I think it was Tina Fey and Saturday Night Live that came up with that goofy expression is bordering on the bizarre it's almost like ronald reagan's memoirs being entitled reflections of an amiable dunce or richard nixon i'm not a crook in other words you take the the substance of the criticism of your opponents and then you utilize it in a title yeah very strange kind of mavericky yeah would have been maybe better title well she overused that word and uh you know, the the other idea that, that somehow this was a personal defeat for Obama borders on the bizarre. I mean, Lula went to Copenhagen. The uh, king of Spain went to Co- Copenhagen. And obviously they weren't going to get it because Barcelona recently hosted yeah. the games. And uh, London is hosting them soon. So... And Tokyo, the other, uh, the other runner we just noted, uh, they've been... The games have been in uh, Asia a number of times recently. So, yeah. and the prime minister of Japan went. So, big deal. Obama would have been criticized if he hadn't gone. So, the idea that this is a personal defeat for Barack Obama borders on the bizarre. Well, it's just how uh, desirous they are of something that could be even slightly cast as a defeat. Um, it's not enough that we're sort of trapped again in a morass of Afghanistan policy, or it's not enough that uh, Obama can't really make the sort of progress with the health care plan that he'd like to see. Um, no, there has to be a f- another failure. Yeah. Or, so, And, of course, we already know that the uh, Jim DeMint, the senator from South Carolina, whose uh, nickname should be Don't Call Me De- Demented, um said that the health care uh, defeat for Obama would be his, quote, Waterloo. Ooh. Does he mean the ABBA song or the battle in uh, Napoleon's Well, he career. probably doesn't know too much about the Battle of Waterloo since he doesn't know much about anything. But, uh, yeah, we'll give a brain damage award out to an entire litany of right-wing figures. Well, yeah, Joe the Plumber recently appeared in Brighton. Um, just outside of Brighton, a friend of mine stopped by to, to see all the Pitchfork uh, yeah. crew there uh, with their... He's running for president now? Oh, he's selling a book. <laughs> and you you go where the audience is, and the angry people with their uh, Obama hater signs uh, were out in force. And actually, uh, Mr. Uh, I have no class, why am I a senator... Uh, Joe Wilson, the you lie, 
Oh, yeah. Uh, was uh, selling at a 150 a pop photos with uh, his himself truly in Jackson recently. So, of course, Brighton area, Jackson, fairly uh, conservative politically, if you look at the greater span of uh, Michigan electoral politics. So they're working their contingent. Yeah, and I think Jackson, wasn't that where the Republican Party was That's, originally yeah, one of quote-unquote founded? Two places uh. that uh, claim to be the birthplace of the Republican Party, which back in the 50s, the teenagers in Jackson used to roll the rocks that mark the spot. There's a commemorative plaque. They used to roll them into the streets, so they finally had to be cemented down. Yeah, and ir- ironic that it would be uh, in Jackson, of course, a prominent Democratic president. Yeah. The Jefferson-Jackson dinner, blah, blah, blah. Well, in uh, really uh, continuing more bad news, uh, the unemployment uh, numbers are out, and uh, they're not good. Um, and there's even some interesting oh, illumination on how bad they really are. Um but uh, real quickly on just the recent data shows the latest job report uh, lent credence to the contention that uh, people have to go where the opportunities are. And, of course, uh, currently unemployed people are saying there aren't any opportunities anywhere. The unemployment rate continued to inch towards double digits, a level Last seen in June of 1983. Seem to remember Ronald Reagan was president back then. Ah, yes, the Reagan recession. The so-called unemployment rate, which includes people whose hours have been cut and those working part-time for a lack of full-time positions along with uh, the the other jobless, reached 17%, the highest level since the government began tracking this data in 1994. Which, by the way, uh, illustrates the fact that this information wasn't kept during the... uh, during the Reagan years, and uh, I was uh, hearing a right-wing critic the other day uh, on one of the uh, talk radio shows talking about the U6 number, and I was thinking, well, boy, why weren't you interested in the U6 number back when Reagan was president, or, you know, this is the... This is the new dimmest way of uh, portraying the jobless situation. Of course, uh, 363,000 jobs were lost in August. And uh, it also um, revised the August decline to 201,000 from 216,000 that it initially reported. Health care remained a rare bright spot, adding 19,000 jobs in September. But construction jobs slipped by 64,000. Manufacturing declined by 51,000, and retail lost 39,000 Wow, you mean there's actually jobs in health care? So, like, that if more health care jobs were created, not only would more people have jobs, but more people would have health care? Yeah. <laughs> Is I, such a world possible? And, of course, it's it underscores that the health care job creation is in my opinion, almost a, sort of an inaccurate number in and of itself because it huh. means Americans need more health care. Yeah. Uh, and obviously those numbers are going to continue to increase with the uh, upcoming uh, baby boom uh, retirement situation. And Floyd Norris, who I uh, always recommend, uh, columnist from the New York Times, 
He notes in the uh, uh, Sunday section of the New York, of the New York Times that, um, uh, and, and this is his analysis, and I think he's one of the better uh, sort of big picture analysts that's uh, out there writing about economic issues. Wrote that the Bureau of Labor Statistics delivered the latest jobs picture, and it's far worse than previously reported. Using newly available data, the Bureau now estimates that during the 12 months ended last March, the economy lost 5.6 million jobs, or 824,000 more than the 4.8 previously reported. Now, I bring this up because down here on Gray Matters, we repeatedly claimed that the Bush administration was fudging these job loss numbers, uh, and this proves that this is the case. Uh, These revisions are disclosed each October, according to Floyd Norris, and led to reductions in job totals in both 2007 and 2008. George Bush was president during those years. Um, And uh, now I'll bring in a column from a a Nation magazine by David K. Johnston recently that showed uh, how uh, paltry the job creation has been under Republican administrations over the past 40 years as compared to Democratic administrations. Norris writes, how did the government get this so wrong? Well, the official job numbers are based on monthly surveys of employers augmented by something called the birth-death model, which factors in jobs assumed to have been created by employers who are too new to have been included in the survey and subtracts jobs from employers assumed to have failed and therefore not responded to the latest survey. Uh, That doesn't sound very scientific. And uh, Elaine Chow, wife of Mitch McConnell, Senator Gopher from uh, Kentucky and current minority leader in the Senate, uh, was the Bureau of Labor Secretary, oh, those many years uh, during the Bush administration, in which I would argue there were a lot of fictitious jobs, uh, reports made by the government to correspond to elections and... uh, cooking the data to actually cover up the full extent of the total Bush economic collapse that we are still enduring here in this country. Yeah, so, uh, gee, where are the people who want to focus on failure? And the other uh, interesting thing that I'll note in the Norris report, just because of uh, the, the irony of history here, so it says uh, Norris writes that the government's data since 1939 shows only one time when there was a larger decline in civilian jobs. That fall, 10.1% came at the end of World War II, when defense contractors laid off workers no longer needed for the war effort. A total of 4.3 million jobs lost. In no downturn since World War II did that many jobs uh, vanish until the current recession. The only other downturn in which as many as 5% of the jobs disappeared was 1949. That, too, was a special case. That October, national employment fell 2% in one month, largely because a steel strike forced many other companies to halt production and lay off workers. Yeah, America was still a manufacturing giant in 1949. And, of course, that was the Truman Steel Strike and the whole uh, Supreme Court ruling and blah, blah, blah. It led to... uh, Truman plummeting in the uh, popularity polls as a result. So interesting historical analysis. It also shows, of course, that uh, 
despite losing all those jobs at the end of World War II, the United States had a overall vision. It's called the GI Bill. Right. Education. Hey. Education. Uh, highway construction that eventually occurred in the 50s. It was infrastructure building. It was housing. And that's what led to the boom. Yeah. So the only future for the United States regarding real job creation is in the area, I would argue, of, of the green economy. Um, but, of course, the senators from Oklahoma, where it turns out that only 23 percent of high school students know that George Washington was our first president, which I find startling, staggering and alarming. Um, they think it's a hoax. Well, unless they're looking at, you know, John Jay, the first president of the Continental Congress, but I doubt they're looking that close or that uh, deep into history. But, yeah, I think that a lot of Americans would be inclined to agree with your assessment there that, as we've mentioned in previous weeks, that given the economic climate, uh, the time is ripe for reconsideration of of an entire systematic overhaul and reappraisal and a new kind of economy because the it's the world economy is in transition and there's some remarkable shifts occurring uh interesting couple of stories uh between last week and over the weekend that uh really caught my eye uh one involving chinese companies selling vast quantities of petrol gasoline to iran Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one-third of Iran's daily petrol needs are being met by Chinese gasoline. Um, this might surprise a lot of people because Iran, after all, is one of the biggest oil producers in the world. But their refineries are dilapidated and uh, and never built. I mean, this is part of some of the actually profoundly myopic uh, foreign policy decisions of the Nixon administration yep. and how they worked with the Shah to actually encourage petrodollars, i.e. Iranian petrodollars, to be used by the Shah for arms purchases rather than local uh, refining capacity. Yeah, he was just uh, selling the raw materials to the major corporations, which would then process it, sell it back, and the Shah got uh, one of the best armies in the region. And indeed, there is some evidence, by the way, that the Iranian nuclear program uh, began during that era with uh, covert assistance from Tricky Dick. I'm not a crook. Well, Kissinger made uh, many a trip to chat with the old Shah. And, of course, the Kurds were used as a pawn uh, repeatedly by Nixon Kissinger. But the other side of this Chinese gas sale to Iran uh, story is the attempt by Chinese uh, petroleum concerns to uh, increase their stake in Nigerian oil. Um, a Chinese state-owned oil company in talks with Nigeria to buy uh, what are some of the world's richest oil blocks, according to Tom Burgess, uh, reporting from Lagos in the Financial Times, uh, September 29th. Uh, Shell, Chevron, Total, and ExxonMobil, which partially or wholly control and operate 23 blocks uh, under discussion. 16 licenses are up for renewal. Uh, China is hoping to arrange a deal whereby they can purchase one in every six barrels of these uh, proven resources in Nigeria. We're talking about six billion barrels of oil. Um, this is uh, this is a shift. Um, Chinese uh, oil purchases are going to increasingly impact American p- 
petroleum prices. Um, and another surprise. And Nigeria, by the way, is the fifth largest supplier of American oil. Indeed, yeah. Uh, after Canada, Mexico, Venezuela. Dastardly Venezuelans. And Saudi Arabia. That's but that's, those are the general statistics right. on that. However, here's a uh, just the, over the weekend, uh, the Financial Times is reporting that um, Russia's oil production has reached 10.1 million barrels a day uh, in September, reaching and breaking a record. And with OPEC's uh, output cuts, this means that Russia has overtaken Saudi Arabia as the world's largest oil producer. Uh, what this all means for the corporate dollars, of course, is a, a very different thing because the corporations buy and sell the world. Um, but I've been sort of envisioning uh, as a response to the Bush policies of the last eight years, and uh, hopefully Obama can get us out of Afghanistan sooner than later. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I kind of anticipate or foresee a time where we could see an Iranian, Indian, Chinese economic bloc. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a very serious rival, uh, certainly to America and, and possibly even to the European Union. Well, or it would at least become a more a significant trading partner with the European Union. Yeah, and and as we have you know has been illustrated over the last several weeks, China is very reluctant for there to be serious UN sanctions on Iran for their mm-hmm. nuclear program because they have been cementing these relationships. And as for the African uh, oil deals that China has been. Um, brokering frequently for the last decade. This has been going on out in the open and through the basically benign neglect of the American government regarding, you know, direct aid to Africa, mm-hmm. uh, economic infrastructure and some of the projects there. And this is just part of the global uh, competitive nature of of the Chinese government, which, uh, <clears throat> of course, the Chinese uh, celebrated the 60th anniversary of the so-called revolution, and it's very important to remember that while Mao played a big role in the beginning years, there was a a reversal back in uh, 1979 when Deng Xiaoping came Mm -hmm. into power, and while Mao is still used as sort of a icon of unification, pseudo-patriotism, whatever you want to call it. Nationalism, right. His picture is uh, adorns Tiananmen Square, uh, Deng Xiaoping once famously said, I don't care about whether the uh, the cat catches black mice or white mice. I care whether it catches mice, period. So, uh, this being a sort of uh, Confucian uh, witticism of sorts. I only care if the cat catches mice. Well, um, America, of course, has been hung up with all sorts of... Uh, I don't know, paradigms of of rigid ideology and poor understanding of the world at large, seeing things through the prism of communism, not nationalism, Mm -hmm. or the blindness of imperialism, you name it. There there have been many uh, examples over the past, uh, well, since the creation of the uh, modern Chinese state of myopia. Uh, the United States didn't even recognize yeah. Chinese, uh, communist China for many, many years in the U.N. Um, maybe one of Richard Nixon's only notable accomplishments was the opening to China. Well, I've always sort of argued against that, that it was a historical inevitability. And yeah. it happened to fall to Nixon 
who, of course, was very happy to make great political hay out of it. The counter argument to that is, of course, that, well, only Nixon had the right wing credentials to pull that off. But right. did he disenfranchise some uh, right of him? Well, sure. Uh, we shouldn't have ever approached them at all. Um, but, uh, I mean, how can you, as Dizzy Gillespie once observed, how can you ignore a billion people? You just right. can't pretend that that's not there. And, of course, there was an element to the Nixon-Kissinger um, Chinese diplomacy that was part of the exploitation of the so-called Sino-Soviet split mm-hmm. yep. and the sort of big picture that the uh, United States was in this delusional theory that, of course, that the Soviets and the Chinese were somehow allied when it's quite clear from all the historical records that they were not and that Mao... Uh, personally, had a very dim view of Soviet communism. Gee, that no, sounds like the uh, Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden uh, yeah. paranoia. <laughs> but, uh, of course, uh, Mao uh, didn't mind employing the tactics of uh, the czarist style of uh, Stalin and at course, some level. Yeah, the, the great irony is that Marx envisioned uh, a world in which an industrialized nation would be the first to put forward a, a movement of revolutionary effort towards a glorious people's republic. Uh, and it turned out to be the industrial, industrially uh, backward states, uh, largely uh, agricultural states of uh, Russia and China. Yeah, Mar- Marx always visioned uh, the so-called Communist Manifesto. He actually directed it at the British and the Germans yep. because he had a theory of history and his theory of history, incidentally, uh, uh, posited that the state would wither away. It was not a political theory. It was an economic theory of history regarding mm-hmm. the transition of you know, monarchy slash feudalism to capitalism with socialism as the next stage of that uh, historical Hegelian paradigm, not to get too much into dialectical materialism here, but it's... Uh, very interesting stuff, and of course yeah. the uh, collapse of laissez-faire capitalism in in America in the nineteen, as a result of the uh, laissez-faire economic policies that America pursued uh, for many many decades, culminating in the Great Depression, led to a greater degree of socialism here mm-hmm. at home, and this idea that America is on the road to socialism, well, where have you been? <laughs> um, your your model drive on any highways lately? Yeah, and of course we saw that the main recipients of of government bailouts over the past uh, year, and we're still going through this one year anniversary of the Paulson Bush Bernanke uh, TARP bailout, uh, were the were the banks and the insurance companies here in the United States. Um, very complicated picture as to why it happened, but. Um, we, you know, we abandoned laissez-faire economics quite some time ago, and this idea that somehow uh, assisting big companies, uh, as many countries do, uh, through industrial mm-hmm. economic policy, that this is somehow um, going rogue. <laughs> In the bad way. In not the bad the good, way. Not the good it's way. It's the mavericky. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the people that went rogue on us were... Were, were the Republicans that had to bail out their failed model of redistributing wealth upwards, laissez-faire uh, deregulation. Uh, we've seen nothing but 
industry after industry that's been deregulated go through massive bailouts. Yep. Uh, the airline industry is a smaller one that comes to mind. Yet, the fact of the matter is the airline industry represents 10% of GDP in the United States. You can allow the whole thing to collapse. You can get rid of uh, entire uh, air infrastructure if you wish, or you can come up with a temporary plan to bail out the airline industry as has happened over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the airline industry has reneged on uh, their contracts. Uh, you know, we hear about this argument in the whole uh, sort of the far-right critique of the bailout is that the sanctity of contracts has, has not been maintained. Well, what do you think these bankruptcy filings are about? Yeah. They're about corporations being allowed to renege on contracts previously signed on the grounds that uh, honoring those contracts would mean financial ruin. Well, <laughs> it's all in the eyes of the beholder. Yeah, indeed. And those who saw it coming and those who claim not to have. You're listening to uh, WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. This is Gray Matters. Yazoo City Calling will be up in due course uh, somewhat after, a little after the top of the hour, I believe. Um, well, two rather uh, different people in the uh, public eye passed away over the weekend, uh, the first of which is the great Argentine singer uh, Mercedes Sosa uh, with a, a long uh, career, uh, numerous records, many of which can be heard here on WCBN on the uh, Sunday Latin music show uh, for one example, if not freeform, but she was an outspoken champion of uh, social justice issues and uh, popular people's movements. Uh, so, of course, she'll be greatly missed. But also, I was surprised to note the passing of William Sapphire. Oh, yeah. I mentioned the, uh, that a little bit last week. Okay, because uh, I, thought, I thought he was already dead. <laughs> and uh, he was still actually writing up until just a couple of years ago. Um, an old Nixon crony and a former speechwriter. I always thought that uh, it was Pat Buchanan who was responsible for all those highly alliterative uh, nuggets that would find their way particularly into Agnew speeches. But this obituary in the Financial Times gives uh, Sapphire credit for the line, the hopeless, hysterical, hypochondriacs of history, which is like the most tortured prose ever. It's like a bad Dr. Seuss parody. Yes, the English uh, high school teacher might give that one a... C plus. Yeah, that's he's trying get, a little too hard. You get a plus for effort there, but you you overdid it. <laughs> but yeah, he's the one that came up with the nattering nattering nabobs of negativism, a oh. classic in American uh, rhetoric, to be sure. But uh, an old Nixon crony. Well, I called him the nattering nabob of stupidity, <laughs> because he was actually maybe one of the first prominent. American journalists to openly advocate for a war with uh, Saddam Hussein in yep. the the late uh, fall, early winter uh, days and months of 2001, when it looked like the uh, Taliban and Al Qaeda were on the ropes. And as we uh, are learning, unfortunately, every day, the situation in Afghanistan is serious indeed. I guess we're pretty much out of time. I just wanted to close with this disturbing item that uh, is troubling from the 20th of March. It says, Habitat, destruction, pollution, and other problems have left nearly one-third 
of the nation's 800 bird species endangered, threatening or in serious 